And if you have a Bible, I want to invite you to turn to Philippians chapter 1. If you don't have a Bible, there's some in the back, English and Spanish. You can grab one of those if you would like. Um, as we finish this series this morning. Um, let's pray together. God, we thank you for gathering us together in this place. And we thank you that in the middle of busy weeks for a lot of us, that um, you are here with us. That you give us a chance to breathe, to sit, to reflect. And there are a lot of us, our, our brains are already thinking about this afternoon and tomorrow and what we have to do this week. But we pray for, even if it's just a brief time, uh, that we get a chance to breathe and reflect on how good you have been to us. And we pray that as we read in the scriptures this morning, that as we think of um, the power of telling our story and what you've done, that we would have the courage to tell other people the story of what you've done. That's been the point of this entire series, and we pray that we would be bold and courageous as we do this. In Jesus' name, amen. Uh, have you ever said the phrase, I will never do something? Um, like, I'll n never move to Tupelo, uh, which is something that I think uh, both Daniel and I, uh, both pastors here, have said that at some point in our lives, and we live here and have been here for a while, or, you know, you, you eat like a bad fast food meal, and you say, I'll never eat that again, but then you're on a road trip, and you're really hungry, and you see a McDonald's drive through and you go ahead and grab it, uh, or um, I'll never go into debt like that again, and then you need a new car, and you, you, you like this nice car, and so you spend too much on something that you didn't think you would. Um, or I'll never go to that place again, and then you end up finding yourself in that, in that place. I think most of us at some point in our lives have said, I will never do that, and, and then we, we actually end up doing it, right? Has that ever happened to anybody in this room, or is this just me? I'll never do that, uh, and then you do it. Um, and we've talked this whole series about sharing our faith and our story of how Christ has changed our lives. And we've been using the story of Paul as a model for how to tell our story because Paul's story is a great example of someone who at one point in his life probably would have said, I will never do this. But he 
is radically changed because of the gospel of Jesus. Uh, at the beginning of Paul's story, his name is Saul, and he oversees the murder of a follower of Jesus, and then he is on his way to actually arrest followers of Jesus and put them in jail when God shows up in his life in a miraculous way, and he's totally different. But if you, if you ask Paul when he was Saul if he would ever become a follower of Jesus, he probably would have said, oh, I'll never do that. Because he is one of the most obvious examples of someone who wants to do away entirely with the story of Jesus. He wants none of his followers to live. He wants none of his followers to talk about being followers of Jesus. He wants to get rid of the entire Jesus movement. And all of a sudden, I will never become a follower of Jesus. I will never even associate with followers of Jesus to the place where we find him now in Philippians 1. And actually, um, the place he's in in Philippians 1 is a, the place that we've seen when we've read a couple of these letters that Paul is, has written. Uh, he's in prison. And so we're going to read different verses in Philippians 1 this morning, and we're going to start with verse 12. And we're going to see just how much Paul has changed, uh, starting in verse 12. Uh, I want you to know, my dear brothers and sisters, that everything that has happened to me here has helped to spread the good news. For everyone here, including the whole palace guard, knows that I am in chains because of Christ. And because of my imprisonment, most of the believers here have gained confidence and boldly speak God's message without fear. So, Paul is writing a letter to the Philippian church from prison, which we read a couple weeks ago. He was writing a letter to another church from prison. Remember, at the beginning of his story, he is putting people in prison for proclaiming the good news about Jesus, and now he is in prison himself because he's telling other people about Jesus. In Paul's case, never say never, right? Like, never say I will never do that because Paul is doing the exact same thing that he used to do, uh, that he used to rest other people for. He's com completely, totally, 100% different than the way he used to be. And it's all because of Jesus. He used to put people in prison, and now he's willing to go to prison. And not only that, he's sort of proud of it. He's so excited that even he's got an opportunity to talk to guards, and people in the jail know that he's not in jail for stealing stuff out of somebody's house or murdering somebody. He's in jail simply because... He has experienced this life change, and there are people who do not like that. So they've put him in jail, and then other people in the prison are starting to come to faith because Paul cannot stop 
telling other people about Jesus. It is what his entire life is dedicated to now. I have to tell people about Jesus over and over and over. And we've talked for the past couple weeks about how it's scary to tell your story. And a lot of us didn't have good examples of people sharing their faith. We think of people with big giant signs, uh, yelling at people that they're going to go to hell all the time. And that's a lot of times what we think about when we think of sharing our faith. But one thing that we need to be aware of is that if we are Jesus followers, we can't just sit and hope that other people just absorb the good news. We have to be willing to tell other people about it. Paul used to put people in prison, and now he's in prison because of what Christ has done for him. This is the change that has gone on in his life. And so we go a little bit further. And let's go to verse 20. For I fully expect and hope that I will never be ashamed, but that I will continue to be bold for Christ as I have been in the past. And I trust that my life will bring honor to Christ, whether I live or die. For to me, living means living for Christ, and dying is even better. But if I live, I can do more fruitful work for Christ. So I really don't know which is better. I'm torn between two desires. I long to go and be with Christ, which would be far better for me. But for your sakes, it is better that I continue to live. Knowing this, I am convinced that I will remain alive so I can continue to help all of you grow and experience the joy of your faith. And when I come to you again, you will have even more reason to take pride in Christ Jesus because of what he is doing through me. We've talked about the change in Paul and how he's now willing to go to prison, but I don't think we actually realize just how different he is. Because not only is he willing to go to prison to tell other people about Jesus, but he is willing to die for his faith. And he talks about two options for himself. One is to live, and for Paul, that is a good thing for him to stay alive, because, but, but not because... I mean, I think all of us would say it's probably a good thing for us to stay alive. We, we work real hard to survive. But for Paul, the reason he wants to stay alive is simply so he can continue to share the good news with other people who do not know Christ yet. Another translation says it more in a more simple way. It says... For me, for Paul, to live is Christ, to die is gain. So Paul says, to live is great because I get to live as Jesus lived in the world and share the life-changing power of Jesus with other people. But honestly, it would be better for me personally if I would die because I get to spend eternity with God. That is probably better for me 
but I realize I'm probably going to be around for a little bit longer. And as long as I'm around on this earth, I am going to never stop talking about this life change that I've experienced. To live is Christ, to die is gain. Personally, it's better for me to die, but I'm going to stay alive and I'm going to continue to talk about how good Jesus has been. And if you're somebody who has been a follower of Jesus for a long time, I think it's still hard to come to this place where Paul is. Because I think a lot of us would say that living is good. <laughs> but we like our jobs and our relationships and we like our flat screen TVs and we like to do all of the things that life gives us. And those are beautiful things. Life is a gift in and of itself. I believe that. But for Paul, the central focus of his life is to live is Christ. And everything else, jobs, relationships, uh, money, all of those things take a backseat to the life-giving power of Jesus. And I think that's the challenge for us. And I think that's why it's so important that we are bold enough to share our faith with other people. Is that we have this thing that is the most precious thing any of us will ever know. It is the most life-giving thing any of us will ever know. And we just want to sit on it sometimes because we're, we're scared that somebody's going to get offended or they're going to make fun of us or they're not going to respond. Um, there's this, I, I don't know how many of you guys are aware of uh, Penn and Teller. They're like a comedy magic duo entertainment. Uh, they do a lot of work in Las Vegas, but <clears throat> um, one of them, uh, Penn Gillette, is the more outspoken one of the group. And he, uh, for as long as I can remember, has been a very outspoken non-believer. Uh, he calls himself an atheist. He says he does not believe in any higher power at all. And a few years ago, he uh, put this video out after a show that he did, and he told the story about how he had done this show, and a fan came up to him afterwards and handed him a small pocket New Testament for him to read. And the fan said, I know you don't believe in God, but this small thing has changed my life, and I, I think that it could change your life, too, if you'll read through it and trust what it says. And the reason the video is so powerful for me as I watch it is because um, Pendulet says, I still don't believe there's a God. Um, I, I, don't, I don't believe any of this. But here's what I do know, is that fan is a good man because he believes that I could spend eternity with God and he wants to tell me about it. And he said, if you are someone who believes that, why wouldn't you want to tell people about it? Why wouldn't you want to share it? 
How bad do you have to hate somebody to not share the most important thing that they could ever know? And I was struck by that. Because honestly, I know how hard it is to sometimes talk openly about faith. I mean, there are just times when people don't want to hear it. But I don't think the answer is to just not talk about it at all. I think we have to be bold enough and, and obviously be wise at who we talk to and make sure we build relationships with people and make sure it's done in a loving way that presents the, the whole picture of Jesus. But I think sometimes a lot of us are quiet when we should not be. Uh, I cannot get that video out of my head where he said, I know this was a good man because he wanted to share this thing with me. And I, I think that's important for us to remember as we go forward. Um, I'm going to read the last few verses, um, starting in verse 27. Above all, you must live as citizens of heaven, Conducting yourselves in a matter worthy of the good news about Christ. Then, whether I come and see you again or only hear about you, I will know that you are standing together with one spirit and one purpose, fighting together for the faith, which is the good news. Don't be intimidated in any way by your enemies. This will be a sign to them that they are going to be destroyed, but that you are going to be saved, even by God himself. For you have been given... Not only the privilege of trusting in Christ, but also the privilege of suffering for him. We are in this struggle together. You have seen my struggle in the past, and you know that I am still in the midst of it. So at the end of this chapter, Paul writes to the Philippian church and tells them, you guys have not only experienced the same thing I have in the life-changing power of Jesus, but you have also are, have experienced the suffering that I am suffering, and you're going to experience more of the suffering that I am going to suffer. You will be put in prison. You will be tortured. And not all of them, but a lot of them are going to be suffering if they don't stop talking about their faith. And we are all very fortunate because I, I don't think anybody in here will ever be in a place where they're uh, tortured or killed for their faith. And we can be thankful for that. But I think that we're scared because of persecution. But Paul tells this church that it is, it is a joy to suffer for Christ. It is a good thing for us to be uncomfortable for the sake of the gospel. It is a joy. Um, and look, I, I know that there's a part of a lot of us that look at 
like me and Daniel, our, our other pastor, and say, maybe it's easier for us because this is part of our job. This is what we do. We are having lunch with people who have questions about faith. We have meetings with people that we, we talk about faith. Uh, we stand up on stages and talk to people about faith all the time. So I know in a lot of ways it's easier for me than it is for a lot of you. But I also know that there are people who the second they find out I'm a, I'm a pastor, the last thing they want to talk to me about is faith. And they would, if they have questions, they would probably be open to talking to somebody that they work with or talking to somebody who lives across the street from them or talking to somebody who's a friend or a family member, not because they're a pastor, because it's their job, but because they have real questions about the life-changing power of Jesus, and they see it in your life. The Philippian church is one of the first churches in Europe. And it's made up of a, a ton of Gentile, non-Jewish converts to, to the Jesus movement. And if you'd asked those people when they were younger if they would ever believe in a God, much less put their entire faith in the fact that this man, Jesus, died and rose again and took all their sin away, they probably would have said, I'll never believe that. I'll never live that way. But here they are, after hearing the good news, willing to go to prison for their faith. And I think no matter where you are in your life and where you are on your faith journey, the ultimate goal for us is to get to the point where Paul is and say, to live is Christ, everything in my life, my job, my relationships, how I spend my money, how I spend my time, everything in my life is centered around who Christ is and what he has done for me. Everything. Or to die is gain. To live is Christ, to die is gain. And that is a very intimidating statement to say out loud, but this is the call on our lives and the hope for all of us is that we would be so aware of the presence of Christ in our life that nothing else matters. Is that he shapes us and changes us to where everything else kind of falls to the side. We have eternity with God at our fingertips, and it is our responsibility to come to a point in our life where we can say, to live is Christ, to die is gain. And if you're new to faith, or still trying to figure out what you believe, I want you to know that's okay for all for most of us, it doesn't happen overnight. 
But the point of walking with Jesus is that he becomes the center of everything that we do. And our hope is that all of us are moving in that direction to where Christ is the center of our lives. And he dictates everything we do. Because at the end of the day, that's a difficult way to live. It's sometimes a confusing way to live. And to share our faith, sometimes it's an embarrassing way to live. But it's worth it. Because I think all of us would look at the world around us and say, our world seems lost. And we can have a lot of answers as far as policies or social programs or education, and all of those things are important. But we come together as a church because we believe that the hope of the world is Jesus. And that he, when he reconciles us and when he redeems us, that everything else starts to change because of what he has done. To live is Christ and to die is gain. Let's pray. Jesus, we, we thank you for dying for us. Um, and we just pray that we would be a people who say, to live as Christ, to die as gain, my entire existence is wrapped up in who you are. And we pray uh, for, your, for your glory to show itself more and more in us, that we may become people who point in your direction just by the way we live and by the way we share our story. In Jesus' name, amen. So the good news is this. Is that Christ gave himself up for us. Um, and the night before he did that, he took a piece of bread and he broke it. And he said, uh, take this, eat. This is my body broken for you. And he took a cup and he said, drink this. This is my blood poured out for you. Uh, and we come to all our services at the end remembering what Christ did for us. Uh, and we invite you to come to tape, take a piece of bread and dip it in the cup. Uh, and to remember just how Christ gave himself up for us. That this will remind us of the body and blood of Jesus. But not only that he did something for us a long time ago. Uh, but he's here with us right now. Um, 
If you're uncomfortable with that, uh, that's okay. You can stay in your chair. You can pray in your chair. Uh, and Daniel and I will be in the back if you want to pray with us. Um, but more than anything, we, we want you to respond to this news in some way. Um, so we're going to ask our communion service to come forward. Uh, and as they get set, you are uh, encouraged to come just whenever you feel led. Would you come?